You are now tuned to the Priority One Subspace Frequency, brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, the galaxy's premier shore leave destination. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Welcome to episode 103 of Priority One, recorded on Thursday, November 1st, 2012, and hosted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, and now streaming live on TrekRadio.net on Thursday nights. I'm Adrian. I'm James. And a special thanks to DJ David and Elliot for getting us up and running live today. Thank you, guys. And we are so sorry, but Elijah won't be joining us, unfortunately. He is yeah. in a power outage due to the storms, of course, back east. But he is okay. Him and his family are all well. They're just without power. So he has been sending out Twitters and pictures, stuff like that. So if you want to connect with him, feel free to get his Twitter and talk to him that way. So he's said to pass on a lot of thanks to everybody who has already sent him well wishes and stuff for him and his family so thanks guys yeah. for uh, doing that well james well, why don't you tell us what we're in for for the show let's do that so we have this episode blank of the week which is going to spotlight the klingon bird of prey owner's manual which just came out or is coming out here pretty soon so and that looks pretty sweet we'll also find out what happened this week in trek in stone news we cover season seven dev blogs 10 11 and 12 the reputation system the mind trap and of course Pierre Resistance. The Vesta. The Vesta Season 6, Devlog 33, Starbase Featured Project, and the latest release news. Our weekly blog roundup, and, 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 that's right, I'm not yeah. done. There's an and, people. That's a comma, not a stop. Okay, and we get to finally share with you some awesome news about our brand new show we've added to the Priority One Productions family called... In development, we've also got a very special interview with cryptic dev Al Rivera to discuss the new Vesta and Tribble test news. But before we get on with the show, as usual, Adrienne has to ramble off her little Ferengi lawyer speech about all the things that are going on. Do I? Do I? I do. Well, we are live on TrekRadio.net every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time. If you'd like to join us live during the show, Trek Radio has a built-in IRC chat client. Just click on the Community Menu tab and select IRC Chat, input your desired screen name, and enter. And do some IRC shout-outs. Let's see who we got over here tonight. All the usual suspects. We got Mehmet Inde, Mike Edwards, Sean448, Soridium, Woody Valley... Who else? We got more in there. I can't even see them all. Jay Robinson the third, Huggy, Echo One, which Rangers. I think is probably just one of the new ones that, that someone just grabbed. The generics. Frostbite, Casmodian, Midnight Shadow Seven, Roland, Cyberghost, Torin. Woohoo! Hey guys. Hey, Thanks for hanging out. As hey, always, we are looking for new blog submissions from the game or gaming news, sci fi, fantasy, entertainment, any of the above. If you have an idea for an article and you want your voice to be heard, then send your submissions to us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com and make it care of Bill. Please know that all your submissions are volunteer, but we do offer a well known outlet for your work. If interested, please forward your contact information and experience along with a few writing samples to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's set a course for this episode's Blank of the Week. On screen. On screen. On screen. Jump places. I don't know. It's the Blank of the Week. Have you, warriors of the Empire, ever wanted to know the technical specifications of your Varel-class bird of prey? Well, now you can. Star Trek and Haynes Publishing have gotten together with Rich Sternbach and Ben Robinson to bring you the Klingon Bird of Prey, IKS Rotaran Brel Class Owner's Workshop Manual. Oh, oh, oh. Basically, it sums up to Bird of Prey, Owner's Manual. And it's pretty awesome. You can order yours 
from Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com for a special price of $16.29. Is that worthy of a Frangie deal there? I think so. I think so. All right, let's hear it. Let's, let's hear it. Come on. All right, here we go. You can order yours from Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com for a special price of $16.29. But if you order it from me, I'll give it for a special price of only two gold press latinum. I'd buy yeah. that for a dollar. I like it. It was right, good. Cool. Okay. So thanks, Reinhardt Reader Kleist, for bringing this to our attention. This is pretty cool. Definitely want to put this on the bookshelf and study it and study it. Yeah, it needs to be added to the collection with all my other technical manuals, which I have many. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, why don't we check out what happened this week in Tread? And this week in Trek, on the 30th of October, 1993, Next Generation's Dark Page aired. On November 1st, 2000, Voyager's Critical Care aired. In November 3rd, 1979, oh, correction, 1997, <laughs> DS9's Sacrifice of Angels aired. And on the 4th of November, 1991, Next Generation aired Unification number one, and on the 4th of November again in 1996, DS9's Trial and Tribulations aired, which was a pretty interesting episode. I thought that was a cool one anyway. Pretty fun weekend track. Those were all great episodes, I thought. They were worth mentioning. And Alex has been doing a lot of the research for us uh, on this lately and pulling these things up. I think yeah. he's done a, well, he's a great job the, of finding he, noteworthy ones. He's got some, um, some but, He's got some tidbits for the listeners on what each of those episodes are in case you forgot. Because there are many episodes of Star Trek, and there's no shame in saying you can't remember what one episode was. Because sometimes I'll see a, a title, and I'm like, I know I loved it, but I can't remember what happened. And I have to go and rewatch it again. Yeah. Well, Trek, the so, Dark Page was the yeah. Lox on a Troy, it was a real serious episode where she was kind of reliving a past incident where she lost her first daughter who drowned. Mm-hmm. And it Not caused bad. her to have like this serious telepathic breakdown and stuff that almost actually kills her. It's actually a really good episode. It's kind of sad in a way, but, but a really good episode. The other one, Critical Care, the second one down from Voyager, that was the one where the EMH had been stolen and has to work aboard a medical facility whose treatment procedures have him question his own ethical subroutines, which was one of those beautiful Star Trek moments of your own personal values, knowing who you really are, what you're willing to do under what situations, and how you justify your own actions based on basically your options that you have. Uh, Sacrifice of Angels, of course, is like, it's just the God-sent best, you know, ship dogfights ever in Star Trek. It was just a great episode. Unification from Next Gen, of course, was a two-parter with Leonard Nimoy and Denise Crosby, where Spock was on Romulus trying to unify the Romulan and uh, Vulcan people, which was an amazing episode. Putting yeah. Spock and Data and Picard together, magic, okay? It's just, just <laughs> magic. I literally love the moment where Spock and Data are talking, and Spock talks about how he envies Data for achieving pure logic which is something that like any Vulcan would cut off the right hand for like literally no emotion (laughs) pure logic just no emotion at all not repressed emotion not locked away emotion but no emotion and then Data is talking to him saying I envy you and would do the same literally to have the experiences of emotions and those things and having to fight it so it's one of those great moments where you see the reverse angles of characters in Star Trek over the years and what each side brings to the story. And then, of course, Trials and Tribulations on DS9 was the um, original series crossover where they put them back on Kirk's ship and all that kind of stuff. It's a great episode. I always thought that they were able to pull those off really well when they tried to mix the past and the present on a show like that. I always thought that Star Trek did a good job of that. But that wraps up this week in Trek. So um, we can move on to our Stone News and get into all the good and juicy stuff we have. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. So we've got our community blog stuff happening. We've got our first, and we would like to know if you are interested in sending your blogs in to us to be posted up. If you have any specific issues you want your voice heard on, send them our way to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm sure everybody would love to hear what their fellow Trekkies and Stowe players have on their minds. We do have some community-authored blogs that are currently up. And first one is Acquiring Vintage Ale for Your Starbase by Chivalry Bean. And there's Ceridium's The Spirit of Trek, Restoration Projects. And lastly, Sargon brings us Warrior's Way number five, What is the KDF Story Anyway? Part three. So those are three awesome blogs, super fun to read, very, very cool. 
Go ahead and check them out right now at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And let us know what you think about them, too. Feel free to submit your comments there or send us an email. And moving on to show developments, we have our new show called In Development. It's hosted by our longtime friend of the show and Gamma Sutra colonist Simon Ludgate. And so In Development will feature interviews with professionals in the gaming industry and gaming media. It'll have panel discussions featuring industry professionals, commentators covering topics from a range of stuff from design philosophy, practice, industry trends, and personal anecdotes, you know, stories and stuff from the development community. So it should be a really neat show. We're going to get a lot of neat folks on, and and some of us might be popping on there now and then from Priority One and and helping them out and stuff like that. It's going to definitely be, I want to say it's almost addicting, because I'm so very curious about (laughs) the behind the scenes. Like, I'm one of the guys who will get a new DVD and watch the behind the scenes stuff first, because that stuff really... I just love it. But anyway, that first show, it airs November 2nd. So make sure and get over to our website and check that out. Again, it's called In Development, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Our guest for episode one of In Development is Andy Tudor, as James said, creative director of Slightly Mad Studios, the creators of Need for Speed, Shift, and Project Cars. Tune in, and as always, let us know what you think. So, all three editions of our video at the Cryptic Studios is available on our YouTube channel now. So, youtube.com slash Priority one, don't forget the Stowe. It's there. These episodes feature interviews with Stowe's developers like Al Rivera, Jeremy Randall, Thomas the Cat, Nick Dugard, Ian Richards, Scott Goatshark. It's all the guys that you hear from regularly and that are important to the game and do all the stuff that makes this game what we love. So don't forget, part one of the series is an audio interview with Christine Thompson, which can be found on episode 99 of Priority One. And Christine is their writer. She's awesome, by the way. Seriously. What a yeah. cool lady. Super intelligent, too. And she writes the yeah, stories, guys. Out. I mean, that's yeah. it. If, if you are interested at all in the story of Star Trek Online and where it's going to go, that's your gal. I mean, she's doing the writing. You know, they give her a general direction. She's the one that fills in the blanks and takes us there. So make sure and check that out because she has a lot of interesting stuff to say. Well, we'll continue to bring you multiple videos every month. So check back frequently for updates. Many thanks to our new video crew, Tony and Mehmet. They put in some they long awesome. hours to bring us this amazing content. So leave a comment on YouTube and say thanks. And be sure to visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to read the complete articles. We've got some amazing talent in our literary department. You won't be disappointed. I promise you. You won't be. That much is for sure. So Spotlight on the Foundry popped up this week. This week's Spotlight admission was Dead Men Tell No Tales by Avarius. Faction was Klingon level requirement with 16+. Plus, and the mission summary was, as follows, a secret mission in the Kalos Expanse to save the Klingon homeworld from the Federation trickery where no one human discovers that apparently it was a good day to die. <laughs> Journey to a realm out of time, out of space, out of your mind. Play this Foundry mission, log into a Klingon character, open your mission journal, choose the available tab at the top, then click on Community Authored. Tab to the left. Once in this menu, you can click on an arrow that will bring a down menu down, and you can look for it under Avarius. Once the mission Dead Men Tells No Tales by Avarius appears, click on it and press Hail button on the bottom right of your mission journal and accept the mission, and you're off. We got some dead blogs in the house. So we got Season 7, Devlog 10, to start it off with. This is the Reputation System Overview. Last week, Stowe producer Steven Salami Inferno Ricosa brought us Devlog number 10, detailing the new Season 7 Reputation System. We've taken a few selections from the blog, but please head over and read it in its entirety yourself. Steven writes, For as long as there's been Star Trek, there's been the concept of accepting and learning from the cultures of other species. The Star Trek Online team has wanted us to bring this experience to you. The new reputation system fulfills that desire while also giving players a way to differentiate their captain beyond class and skill point choices with an alternate means of progression that can impact how they play. By doing so, players will earn new captain powers and the ability to get new or unique gear specific to the faction they're assisting. The first two reputations that will be available to players are the Romulan faction and the Task Force Omega. Once players reach Vice Admiral or Lieutenant General, they'll unlock the ability to increase their reputation with specified factions through the reputation system. The layout of the UI is similar to the fleet system, but only usable by one player, and the input required to start a reputation project vary, but one key similarity is that they all require marks specific to the reputation you're working on. By playing select content that is themed to the reputation, players will earn a set of marks that are key to progressing through a reputation type. The Romulan faction will enlist players to assist the Romulans and Remans in their goal of creating their new homeworld, New Romulus, in the Tau Dewa sector. 
The Romulan Captain powers focus on critical damage versus damage boosts, and the final click power that boosts all of your science stats by 100 for 5 seconds. Additionally, progressing through the system unlocks cutscenes and new solo with away team instances on new Romulus. Task Force Omega Reputation is how the players earn reputation with the Federation and Klingon Anti-Borg Alliance. Just as with Romulan Reputation, players must earn Omega Marks by playing through the select content, such as the Special Task Force missions. And the Captain Powers rewards are all Borg-themed and culminate with an AoE ground heal that also acts as an AoE revive and adaptation removal. It's a very exciting and potent power that will give players new options in any ground combat encounter. I gotta make some revision comments from the last show because we were talking about people that had already earned so much having to start over at a certain point and things and this and that. Now, I think some people took that wrong. When we were saying that, we're talking about only the Task Force Omega stuff. That's it, because that's the only stuff we played. We're not asking for that same treatment on the Romulan reputation side. That is a completely new thing that nobody has ever played. I just want to make that clear because some people thought we meant that across the board, or at least that I meant that across the board, and I didn't. Of course, that wouldn't be fair there because nobody's ever played that. But on the Task Force Omega side, I still think it would be a very legit thing to use uh, those who have really played it a lot and have earned those unlock accolades at those certain points to unlock higher tiers immediately within that so that you can get to making the good gear since you've basically already busted your butt enough. Well, it's cool though. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing those cutscenes <laughs> as well as it uh, is. anything it's super that you cool. unlock. With the very, very cool reputation system. It's very cool. I mean, I've been playing with it on Tribble. It's a neat little thing. I think some of them, some of the little submissions you have to do to work through the tiers, are still a little bit resource heavy. Just a little bit. It's not so bad when you talk about consumables and things like that, but there's dilithium requirements. And that's money. You know, and I understand Cryptic's trying to make money, but some of them are still... I mean, when you're really trying to tap away at these things and get them knocked out, that can drain your dilithium pretty fast. I don't know, maybe they need to be lightened up a little bit. At least the dilithium, we'll let them decide. We got Season 7, Dev Blog number 11, Mind Trap. Charles Gray, content designer on Star Trek Online, brings us a bit of information. Mysterious deaths are being reported at the Romulan mining colony in the FAR system. The body shows signs of attack, but there are no energy burns or open wounds. Strange marks have been found on some of the corpses. However, the bodies have been completely drained of sodium. Hmm. Red rings on its face and neck remind us of a case that involves an extinct creature once found on M113 that preyed on humanoids for the salt it needed to survive. Ah. In the 20 Captain Mindtrap event, players will team up and attempt to save a Romulan mining colony from its impending annihilation. To do so... They must neutralize the threat, save as much of the colony as possible, and evacuate its civilians. Any vice admiral or lieutenant general can participate in this cross-faction event, and rewards are based on how many objectives are completed, including how much of the colony and population is saved. Along with earning fleet marks, players will also be rewarded with Romulan marks. Let's move on to the hotness, folks. Not the old busted, the new Hotness, that's right. Season 7, dead blog number 12, hosted by my buddy Al Rivera, the multi-mission science vessel, Vesta! It's finally here, <laughs> straight from the pages of the Destiny Trilogy novels. Originally designed by another friend of the show, Mark Redemaker, Cryptic Studios and the uh, Star Trek Online team are proud to finally bring you the multi-mission science vessel Vesta line. For those of you who have been following the progress of the Vesta, this line of ships has been a long time coming. Our ship artists, Jeff Miller and Adam Gibson, are responsible and have worked on this for some time to capture every detail of the originally envisioned ship by Mark Rademacher. And I think you'll be very pleased. I think they did a fantastic job. You know, not only is the ship model just super detailed, they're offering three variants that look different. They learned from the whole Odyssey thing. They really did. Because when the Odyssey thing came out, they did the three variants, and I cried. I totally cried when it came out. I was like, what? Three different ships, they all looked exactly the same. However, they listened. They really did. And they came out this time, and they gave us three different variants with three different looks, three different consoles, and all those consoles can work together and give you two and three console bonuses. And the third console bonus is just incredible. Anyway, the Destiny novels focus on the USS Aventine. This ship was key in defeating the Borg in the novel series. Uh, simply put, this ship, it's the god ship. They wanted to make sure that 
It was accurately represented in its rich history and lore as much detail as possible with keeping game balance at the same time. And that's really tough because the book just paints the ship as the god ship. So let's get to the nitty gritty of this thing. Designing the Vesta's capabilities was a bit of a challenge. They first needed to decide what kind of ship the Vesta was going to be. Everybody had a different opinion. Everybody had different stats, different references, everything that they were pointing to to prove their point. And in the end, Cryptic said, let's make it a science vessel. Next, they took a look at its technology. The multi-dimensional wave function analysis module, okay? They've got a quantum field focus controller, a chronoton integrator, and a sympathetic fermion transceiver. Now, what is all this technobabble? The quantum field focus controller was key in the Vesta slipstream drive. Basically, what that did is it focused the power coming out of the deflector that opened up the quantum slipstream tunnel. That's what allowed it to kind of focus and open that slipstream technology. There's just too many things to put in one ship. So like the Odyssey class, as we mentioned, they made three. We have the Multi-Mission Surveillance Explorer, which is they're calling just the Vesta class. That's your base model, okay, and it's a science model. They have the Multi-Mission Reconnaissance Explorer Aventine class, which is your tactical model. And then, of course, they finished off with the Multi-Mission Strategic Explorer class, Redemaker class, which is an engineering model, which is I find so appropriate. I really do. I find it really appropriate that the engineering one is the Redemaker class out of all of them. Mark would be so happy as an engineer. So each ship in the line has slightly different console configurations, a different power level bonus, and a unique cost room, which I'm so happy about. The three consoles are part of a set and provide a two and three piece bonus set when equipped on the same ship. So base stats for all multi-mission science vessels are you have to be a vice admiral. The hull strength currently is 27,800. Base turn rate on this thing Mm. is 13 degrees per second. Okay, that's a tight turn rate for this ship. It's long, okay? It's the same as a Sovereign. Shield modifier of 1.35, crew of 750. Weapons, we've got three forward, three aft, three device slots. Bridge officer stations. It has one lieutenant tactical, one lieutenant engineering, one commander science, one ensign universal, one lieutenant commander universal, which really works out. I think they did that just right with those stations. Really play with that either way. But the commander science showing that it is still a science ship. I like that. So it also wow. comes with sensor analysis, subsystem Ew. targeting, and can equip cannons. This is cool, though, okay, because they give you a special set of auxiliary power phaser dual-heavy cannons Mark 12 that come with accuracy and damage times 2. Oh, but they dang. work on auxiliary nice. power. They work on auxiliary power nice. on a science ship. That is, that is what I love about that, though, because you, yes. you pump everything onto auxiliary. Oh, Right, and so normally you're like, oh, but now I'm not going to be able to lay out any firepower. Well, uh, Mm -hmm. yes, you can, okay? Plus you get the hangar bay with a wing of Danube runabouts, which is just awesome. We'll also equip other craft to other, you know, hangar craft, like Peregrines and all those little things. Multi-mission surveillance explorer Vesta class comes with the bonus science console slot and bonus auxiliary power. The Vesta class also comes equipped with the sympathetic fermion transceiver universal console. Now, the fermion transceiver, if I remember this correctly, puts this field of fermions around the ship which heal your shields, your hull, and all of your allies who are within that field for the amount of time that it is running and is based on auxiliary stats so you want to have it up. But that ship has plus 15 to the auxiliary power systems which will help you keep that up. Your console modifications will be 3 tactical, 2 engineering, and 5 science console slots. That's a ton right there. So the multi-mission reconnaissance explorer Aventine class features the bonus tactical slot and bonus weapon power. The Aventine class also comes equipped with the quantum field focus controller universal console. The multi-mission reconnaissance explorer comes with the Aventine class ship costume also, which is different than the original Vesta class one because the Vesta one above that I read above is the original look of the ship. Okay, the Aventine and the Redmaker class are the new ones. I was going to say the new costume actually just adds a, a bunny tail to it. Kind of. A little bit, huh? <laughs> um, specific stats to this class are you get plus 10 to your auxiliary power systems, but then it pulls off of that 15 from the other one and gives you plus 5 to your weapons also, so you go 10 and 5 auxiliary and weapons. Console modifications are 4 tactical, 2 engineering, 4 science, and you get the quantum field focus controller, which turns your deflector dish into a massive, nasty phaser beam. Multi-mission strategic explorer, Redemaker class, your engineering ship. The multi-mission strategic explorer, Redemaker gives you the bonus engineering console slot and bonus shield power. The Redemaker class also comes equipped with a multi-dimensional wave function analysis module universal console. This multi-mission strategic explorer comes with the Redemaker class ship costume, again unique, and it gives you plus 10 to auxiliary powers and plus 5 to your 
shield systems. Console modifications are 3 tactical, 3 engineering, 4 science. And when you put all these together, your multi-wave function analysis, which by the way does a multi-dimensional wave shield around the ship which makes your ship impervious to gravity wells and things that do kinetic damage and it will also actually reflect kinetic damage and stuff onto other the enemy ships around you so it's, it's a pretty cool shield in itself that's just what it does on its own now the sets putting the sets together multi-dimensional wave function analysis quantum field focus controller and sympathetic fermion transceiver god that's a mouthful <laughs> may be equipped all together on any of these vessels the two-piece set bonus grants you the chronoton integrated quantum slipstream now everybody goes okay what new quantum slipstream is this because we have the original one right that runs you like for like 30 seconds through one sector space and there's the long one that runs you like 60 seconds through like two sectors of spocks and stuff and now we have this new chronoton integrated quantum slipstream what is that well supposedly it is the fastest quantum slipstream out there so you'll be getting places much much faster plus it gives you plus four on your churning so you can churn sharper still having quantum slipstream running on because as we all know you really basically can't churn when you're going quantum slip but now you can so the three-piece set bonus grants you a quantum focused shield bubble this thing is gnarly runs off auxiliary power you can run it all the way up to 100 percent and basically makes you impervious to damage I mean, and it's a hardened shield, which means you take no kinetic damage even if you run ramming speed in another ship. Okay, so this thing's pretty gnarly. However, when that's up, everything else is down. So you could sit there and make yourself invincible, but you're not really going to do much. Okay, but it's a great way to save your bacon if you're getting beat on. You're not going to deal out any damage, but you might just go hard if you want to be a healer. And then you can put out heals and stuff to other ships or, you know, repairs or, or maybe things like that. But you're not doing any weapons. You're not shooting anything. You're not, you know, there's no no weapon fire going out. So, well, so these will all be... the James show. <laughs> <laughs> these will all be available in the C-Store. Uh, um, you can buy them for 2500 zen each, or you can buy the three-pack bundle for 5000 which I highly recommend. Mine's already waiting. So make sure and get those out. The Vesta comes out when Season 7 launches. So the day it launches, so does the Vesta. And I will flying mine out of space talk, folks. We thank you for that amazing rundown of the Vesta. All right, yes. Season 6, DevBlog 33. Starbase featured project number 9. Well, Morn. <laughs> That's all anyone really needs to say about this project. Morn. You guys know more. You love them. The Klingons also get dancing girls, and the feds get latinum traders. But everyone gets Morn at the bar! It'll be nice for the Starbase to have some civilian population finally. Maybe they will buy up all those tribbles? Let's hear what Goat Shark has to say about it. Goat Shark says, Our next special feature is Welcome Guests. Fleet Starbases are just as much important hubs for official matters as they are social centers where fellow fleet mates can unwind from their daily duties. Federation and Klingon fleet starbases have also been receiving special visitors who have taken interest in the relaxing atmosphere and the entertainment opportunities. Upon completion of this special project, your starbase's interior will see increased population. Klingons will get a visit from Morn and Dancing Girls, while members of Starfleet will be visited by Morn and Latinum Traders. This special project will be available around 10 a.m. PDT on November 1st until around 10 a.m. PDT on November 15th. So uh, go ahead and check it out and get more. So uh, release notes for the November 1st patch are in. We kind of cherry-picked them, but, you know, we do things that I think are most important things, including, of course, the Jemadar ship, which is big news. Reinforcements to the duty officer packs now contain additional prizes. Each time a pack is opened, you will receive the standard items that have always been included, plus either 10 lobby crystals or a Jem'Hadar attack ship. Now, that's a biggie, because that's one of the best escorts in the game, so I know there's going to be a lot of people trying to get their hands on one of those, and I have one. I happen to know it's awesome. Shield heal applied by the shield distribution officer, known as the Bracer Impact Duty Officer, has been reworked. They basically, to kind of wrap this one up, a while back they had put on a couple of group timers for things. It was kind of cruddy. Anyway, they took down the universal cool-off timers, which is awesome. That's a good thing. It's been gone now. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Buff stripping. And, uh, I don't know. None of this is really super, super deep. They resolved an issue with the Klingon temporal ships. It had two device slots. It now has three. The Kren incorrectly had three when it needed two, so they kind of reversed those Ouch. and got them correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I know. Somebody's unhappy about that, but... Little stuff like that. I think the biggest piece of news in there was really just the Jem'Hadar ship. I think that's going to be a big deal. That pretty much wraps up this week in Stone News. I guess we can head over to our interview with Cryptic Dev Al Rivera. 
Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Hello, Captains, and welcome to the Priority One segment with Al Rivera. Al, how you doing this morning? Hi, James. Good to be here. Excellent. So, we have all kinds of stuff on the plate, but we really want to open the field and allow you to talk about really anything that you want to talk about for Season 7, because there's so many different things coming up with the reputation system and the embassies, and there's just tons and tons of stuff going on. So, you know, where do you want to start? Well, I didn't really have a particular agenda, uh, so I just wanted to make sure that anyone had a chance to look at Season 7. I wanted to get yours and anybody's feedback on Season 7 and just see what the comments are. So yes, it is as we speak. It is Saturday morning here, and it's Tribble Playtest weekend, so there's lots and lots of people on Tribble testing all these things that we were just talking about. And I myself have been on Tribble for the last couple of weeks, testing each little thing as you put them out. And I really, really enjoy a lot of the new features. The Azure Nebula Rescue is really cool. I think that's a really fun one, and I think it's well-balanced, and it's enjoyable, and it's beautiful. Oh my gosh, the artwork, the, the rift, the energy rift running through the middle of the nebula is just gorgeous. Yeah, it's really nice, and it's also nice just flying through it in sector space. just want to give a shout-out for that's the Azura action there. It was made by a new content designer. His name is Jadua, and so that's his first piece of content. It really set the bar high, so we're really looking forward to seeing what else he'll be adding. He did a lot of other stuff as well on New Romulus, but that was his first content for Cryptic. We've been staffing up the team, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. We've got new people starting even next week, so it's a really good time for Star Trek Online. I'm already salivating over Season 8. You're going to like it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be pretty epic. So that's all I'll say about that. Just don't make me come down there again. <laughs> <laughs> or up there, I guess. Oh, it would be. Now you've got another 100 episodes to go. We're safe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's been great, though. I've played... Many of the new ones and a couple of the old ones just to see the revamped systems on them. Of course, you know, the STFs with the Omega reputation system and all that. And I know there's been a lot of discussion about prior veterans and stuff that are like way over the 300 limit and have their metal bond and all that stuff having to grind through these new tiers to get to be able to start working at actually making and having access to the shop that has the advanced weapon Mark 12 stuff and all that. I know there's been a lot of suggestions. I like Ceridiums about making the accolade points for the Starfleet Cross and the Medal of Honor and stuff like that having those achievements allowing you to skip to certain tiers if you've gone that far and so forth. But what have you guys heard and received, and what were your thoughts on that? Or I won't lie to you, this is a very, very hard conversion to make, and we spent many, many hours considering all different options and what was best for the users and best for the game. There's no perfect answer, and you know we did consider you know, whether or not we wanted to grandfather players into the system. But it's a new system, and we really needed to look at this as how we wanted this system to play from the beginning. This is not the old STF system. This is a completely different reputation system. And in the old system, who knows how long. You could have waited months or years before you would get that gear. Now you have a definite target. There is a known amount of time it will take to get there, and it's much less than it would be if it was just the old system. So although players want to be able to just get their gear now, they weren't able to just get it now in the old system. They had to wait randomly. Some people would get lucky and just get it on the next shot, but, but most would have to wait a really long time already. So in addition to that, it's not just about those two ground sets and that one space set. Now there's an entire power tree. There's a lot more gear. You don't even have to play STFs to level up the system. You could play Defera. You don't have to play Elite System. You can just play normal STFs. You only need to play the Elite STFs to buy the Mark 12 gears. I don't know if people realize that yet, but you earn Omega Marks through STFs and through Defera. The cost to make Mark 10 and 11 gear is just Omega Marks, but the cost to make Mark 12 gears requires Borg Neural Processors, which you can only get from the Elite STFs. So you only need to run the Elites to get the Mark 12 set gear. But everything else, you can just run any other Omega project. So the system is a lot lighter and a lot more predictable, and there's a lot of other projects. We just didn't feel it was right, and you know, we wanted to set everybody at a clean slate at the same starting point because it's not about just getting the gear. It's about all these other powers and all the other items that you can purchase in a very different way, in a very predictable way. Inevitably, it's not a perfect conversion, and there's no perfect answer, but we think this really was the best for everybody. Any EDCs and all the other 40 convert, uh, currencies, you know, we converted all that to Omega Marks and to some Dilithium. That conversion is very generous. 
it's anywhere up to 200% conversion rate. So most people will be benefiting from that conversion rate quite generously. And if you're playing elite STFs, you'll end up with a cache of extra regular Mega Marks because elite STFs grant three times the Mega Marks as regular STFs. So that's good, and, and I caught some heat on that too. I had to go back and actually clarify after one of our last shows because everybody thought, I thought that those of us who played so many times should be able to jump like that on all the systems, including the Romulan stuff. So I had to go back and clarify that no, 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 you know, that's completely new stuff. Nobody had that before. Nobody had the opportunity to play the Romulan stuff. Everyone should start from ground zero on that. All we were looking for was to uh, be on that top tier because, I mean, you're going to still have to play anyway. Unless you have, like you said, such a large cache of the old stuff when it got converted that if you start at the top tier, you'd just be able to buy that gear right away. But like me, I turned all my stuff in, or most of it. I think I have a little bit left. I turned most of it in for dilithium a long time ago because I was never getting anywhere. I was never getting those last couple drops. And I think there's only two pieces of ground gear left. I've gotten the rest. But I turned all of it in for dilithium because I was like, ah, I'm tired of grinding. I played thousands and thousands. So, And I think those are the guys like that were basically over it just because our luck was so bad with the drops that we're like, man, now I've got to do this after all that. And I think that's where that frustration came from. But I do appreciate the fact that there's the new gear and those new things that are there. I think we just don't want to have to wait much longer <laughs> to get to them, but it sounds like it goes pretty fast. I know I'm on tier one of the Romulan system. There's so many different things I've been playing with, I can't keep track of them in, in like the embassy, but I know I'm tier one on the Romulan reputation system. I think I just started really playing with the reputation system just the other day. But I think it's a good system overall. I mean, I have to say that. I think that the levels are just right for the amount for each mission, That you know, the amount of dilithium, the amount of stuff that you've got to turn in. I think those are all very very well balanced. Yeah, I don't think they're if, greedy at all. If you haven't seen, I'm looking at it now, it's not yet on Tribble. There will be no more dilithium charge for XP reputation projects in the uh, reputation system. So in other words, oh, really? the projects that you have to do to level up your reputation will not cost dilithium. We originally wanted to put dilithium in there, but we decided we didn't want to add another dilithium pinch. They still will cost dilithium to get gear. If you'll notice, the cost is significantly cheaper I don't even know if that's live. Those changes are live either. You know, significantly cheaper to buy, say, Romulan gear or, you know, set gear or, or mega set gear as far as the dilithium cost compared to, say, if you get it directly out of the dilithium store, you know, an equivalent piece of gear. I think like a Mark 11 dilithium shield is like 60 or 66,000 dilithium, but equivalent Mark 12 Omega set is only like 30,000. Plus the Omega Marks, obviously. So, so the amount of dilithium is much less than was just bought out for straight dilithium. But there will be no dilithium cost for just leveling up the system. We decided that there is no reason to charge dilithium for character advancement. And that's really why we, we wanted to set everybody at the beginning, because this is a character advancement system, and it's a new character advancement system, which you can do in different ways, which gives you a lot of new features. To us, if we think about it, it's not any different than all of a sudden we raise the level cap and people say, but I've been playing the game for six months. I should have enough XP to just be the max level again. Right. Well, it doesn't work that way. This new level cap, you have to advance through it. And that's really what this is about. This is almost like raising the level cap, right? It's just a different way because you're getting new skills and you're getting new gear, just like you would if you were leveling up to raise the level cap. So because of that philosophy, we decided everybody needed to start at the same place. And you don't have to do STFs. You don't have to do those hard lead STFs to level up the system. You can do other projects. You can do regular STFs. You can do Defera. Um, well, I'll tell you, the one where you won me on that one and that I really loved is the fact that you can play, even if you do do the STFs, you can play any now. You don't have to. You mm-hmm. didn't tie them to, you know, this piece is in, this ground yeah. mission, this piece is in. You can just play any one. So you don't have to play the ones that you hate or think take too long or, ah, that one's too much of a grind and it takes forever. You can just play the ones you love over and over. You know, you could play Space Infected or Space Cure or, or uh, you know, Ground Infected. Whichever one you love to play, you can just play those ones over and over. You're no longer tied to, God, I got to go do Kinmer Accord again. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> that was a big win in my book because even then it's like, okay, well, I have to play these some more, and I was really over it. But at least now it's like, oh, well, I only really have to play the ones I like, so that's yes. no biggie, you know? You only have to play the ones you like. It's not already out there. There'll also be a reputation hour, you know, calendar event, so that way you can earn double reputation like we do at Fleet Marks. It's a lot more flexible, and there's a lot more rewards. So I'm really hoping people are going to love it. I think we're all very proud of it. I love the new skill tree. And this is a very, very scalable system. We're already looking at adding a Defera reputation, a Tholian reputation would be like, wow. an anti, like an anti-Tholian reputation, right? 
of those Tholian gear and AV suits and stuff you get out of the Tholian ground invasion and adding more stuff and putting that into like an anti-Tholian task force reputation. That would be Card- cool. A Cardassian one. And this is where we put a PvP reputation system. That's Ooh. one of the ones that's next. So as you play PvP, you'll level up your PvP and get PvP skills. I just heard a thousand PvPers lose their mind when you said that. <laughs> I guess the, the Jedi's are going to really hear that one. I know. <laughs> I know. They're just like, there's a disturbance of the Force right now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but yeah, it's a great system. I really like it. I really enjoy what you guys have done with it. I think it's very well balanced. I didn't even know about the dilithium being removed, so that's great. That's even better. The dilithium pings from each mission was starting to take a toll on my bank on the triple side. But we spent the last two weeks looking at a lot of dilithium things just as long as you brought that up that's one change reduction in cost on gear within the reputation system we put a reduction in cost for increasing your rank of your star base we also if you hit the pveq lately seen the new pveq which is just a wonderful ui um yeah it's really self-explanatory like everything's there it tells you which missions are easiest to hardest what they give you whether it's Marks, gear, fleet marks, Romulan marks. I mean, it really explains everything beautifully. There's definitely zero confusion. It's got a little ship next to it or a little man next to it telling you if it's space or ground. I mean, it's just a great layout. Yeah, we spent a lot of time of it and a lot of props to our Thomas, the cat, Marone, and as well as Craig UI engineer. But what's the big change as far as the lithium is now all the old fleet actions like Breaking the Planet and Starbase 24 are now all aboard the lithium in addition to gear. So that's actually a pretty significant change. I mean, previously, there are very few repeatable ways to earn dilithium in the system. And now there's right there in your face. You can just queue up. And if you're trying to level up your fleet, I can remember it says, okay, I need more fleet marks. Okay, I'm going to do no-win scenario. I'm going to do colony invasion. Okay, I got my fleet marks. Oh, we don't need any fleet marks. We need dilithium. Where do I go for dilithium? Right. Oh, well, I don't know. So we wanted to make it much clearer where you could go to get that dilithium. I mean, obviously, there were a lot of ways to get dilithium, but it wasn't always accessible. And if you weren't clever or in the know, it was harder to find, right? You could do... Um, you still can or mining. Or there, there were a lot of different mining. places to find it. Well, yeah. there's, the, there's the events, and then there's mm-hmm. the academy events, and then there's a foundry mission. And that yeah, will support yeah. you. But it wasn't clear. And so hopefully now with the PVEQ, it's very clear where you got to go to get your rewards. It'll be a lot more accessible to everybody. That's really what this is about. It's about, I mean, STFs were so much the domain of the hardcore users. Very few people are actually playing those STFs because it was about the best of the best. Fortunately, you know, you could go into there and if you don't do well, you'll get berated really terribly. Oh, yeah. Especially, especially if you're playing in an elite STF. Well, now it's really going to open up. It scared a lot of people. I can remember you, Terry Lit, and she said, "I don't go there. It's just it's scary." Right? It's, 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 it's like they're just going to yell at you. And it's, it's too much for the hardcore grinders. Well, now there's a reason to go, and it's accessible, and you don't have to play at elite difficulty to enjoy it. It's still challenging. It's, it's so challenging true. Content, but, yeah. as, as one of those hardcore people who's always there, it's so true. If you come in there and screw us up, we're like, "You idiot! Get out of here! If you don't know how to play, go." <laughs> That's that's funny. And speaking of those new missions like that, also, I just played The Hive the other day for the first time yesterday, as a matter of oh, fact. The Hive, yeah. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. How did how did you do on Hive? Did you play Hindsight or did you play an Elite? I played Elite, and I did good. Did I did. Good? I, I had a good group, I think. It was a pug. It was a total mm-hmm. pug, but it was a good pug. They were you know, well-done ships. They had good setups. Everybody knew what to do. We were healing each other, so it worked. It was it was one of those, the pug of legends, you know, that you just, you never hear about. <laughs> Where every now and then, you get with a group, and you just run like it was meant to be. So it was just a fluke, good luck run. Well, first of all, if you're playing on Tribble, you're already playing with a different caliber of people in general, and so that's going to change your pug significantly. But I'm going to ask you honestly, I mean, this is supposed to be probably the toughest space fight in the game. Is it hard enough? Mm. I have to revert to that previous statement is maybe it is, but maybe I just had such a good team. Like you're saying, these are the hardcores, these are the elites that go in there and test these things out. You know, it was just a great team. Maybe that's where it should be for that level of a team. Maybe it was just as hard as it should have been for that good. I did die once, which normally I don't in the STFs. So, I mean, that says something in itself. It's not a pushover if I died once. But did I feel that it was, like, nail-biting frustrating? No, I didn't. Frustrating is different than hard. Hitting the balance of a hard content, that's a real big challenge for a designer, to make sure that it's not frustrating or drawn out. Right. Uh, well, and one man's hard 
is like you said, depending on that player and the group he's with. Had I had a completely different team, had I pugged that in a holodeck, oh man, it might have been a nightmare. I might have been like, oh my god, you guys can't do anything right. You know, it might have seemed like just this huge challenge that seemed a lot harder to obtain. I think I just had a great team just well, by fluke. We're going to be looking closely at that because we play it internally and we're not as good as you guys. <laughs> I mean, we're just players. There's always going to be a lot of players out there that are just going to be way better than what we can do internally. And it's, it's always different too when you internally test it. We have tools and we make up a level 51 character. We, you know, we're not playing a real character. We're playing something that is just made up. And when you're play testing internally, people don't play as hard. You're not attached. It's not your character. You haven't played it for 50 levels to get him to that level. And it's not your gear, and it's not your money when you have to use a, a minor component or component to fix your ship, and you can just walk away. So the mentality is different. People play very differently. And, and then sometimes they're just handed a character they didn't build it, a QA person or somebody built it for them here, try this, and you're not familiar with that particular character. So when we test internally, even just psychologically, it's not the same as when we play with our real characters. So we do rely on the players on feedback on things like this, trying to get the balance just right for content like this. So um, I do want it to be extremely challenging. I know players will learn and adapt from it, but I do want to make sure that we make it a good challenge without being ridiculously frustrating, and that's a tough one. Have you tried the ground one yet? I haven't. No, I haven't gotten to yet. I was going to do it this weekend. I, I plan to play a lot this weekend through the test weekend, and I mean, maybe I'll find it a different story because there's a lot more people on today than there have been the last couple days that I've been on because it's the test weekend, so... Um, I'm going to guess you're going to have a much harder time with the ground than the space one. It's kind of a ball buster. Ground is always harder than space. Always harder than space in my book. It, it just always is. I've never played an STF. Any mission that you guys have ever had where the ground was easier than the space. I've never had that. I'm sure I will find it harder. It's going to be hard to say. You almost have to wait until it hits holodeck where we can play with everybody and then see how it balances out with those average pugs and groups like that and just kind of see where it plays. Well, you can always, even on holodeck, you can always make a private queue, right? Exactly. And that's what we do when we want to run it and we're being serious. We'll put together our fleet group, our little elite guys, and haul butt on a private instance. But, you know, it's nice sometimes to just be able to pug it because you don't want to wait. You're trying to pull together a team. It's, you got two yeah. hours to play and it takes you 30 minutes to pull together a team. You're like, no, I don't want to lose that much time. So you just pug it. And I think that's where the story's really told is when you just go to, with any old random group and see how you can pull it together. I think that's where you find out how truly challenging it is or isn't when you don't have this preset perfectly matched up, perfectly geared out team. So let's talk about New Romulus. New Romulus is gorgeous. I spent uh, about two hours there the other day running a bunch of the events. I haven't even finished them all yet. There's so many, which is great. It's expansive. It's gorgeous. The environment is so immersive. I mean, you got animals and science projects going on and saboteurs and erosion hunters popping. I mean, it's just great. You guys did a fantastic job. With this environment, it's huge. I mean, it's just really, really big. That's almost the one thing you need is just to get around faster. Because <laughs> when you first get there and you're on foot for everything, boy, until you get those transporters up where you can hop transporter, transporter, it takes a while to run around. But, I mean, that gives you that opportunity to see it all, to really get a good look and run across these valleys and these bridges and up and down the rivers. And, I mean, just everything. The art is gorgeous. The environment's perfect. I really like this because it was exploring. You're exploring this new world, literally. I mean, it's so Star Trek, you can't get any more Star Trek. I'm exploring a new world. I'm, I'm checking out the animals there. I'm seeing if they're hostile or if they're friendly and helping the scientists with it. And we're testing the water. Is it drinkable? Is it safe? It's just great. It's just a whole great experience. I'm very happy with New Romans. I'm glad you're happy with it. Making non-combat exploration-type content is very hard to make fun. It's very challenging. But it's something I know that players have wanted for a long time, especially being a Star Trek game. So this was a uh, kind of a risk for us. This is a very big departure from the way the rest of the game plays. That's not a bad thing. We didn't know how players might respond to it, whether or not they would love it or hate it or be confused by it. So, so far, the response has been overwhelmingly positive, and we're, we're very happy with that. We'd like to make more of this. I'd like to make a space adventure zone yeah. soon. Same kind of thing, but figure some map along the size of, say, like, bigger sector space map, but a system map that big. So nice. people could adventure around their ships and play that, just like you play on Euromulus, but play in space. There's a lot of stuff in there that probably most people haven't even played yet. One thing that players may not realize is that Content on New Romulus opens up based on your Romulan reputation 
crank. So there's more content, there's more instances, there's more cutscenes based on the reputation tier. And there's a lot of story. As you unlock your Romulan reputation tier, you'll learn more about the history of this planet, the secrets of this planet, and what's going on behind the scenes. Why the Romulans are here, why the Tholians are here, why the Herodians are here. So there's a lot still to discover. New things to try. We'll see how people feel about it, but we're real excited about it. I hope everyone's really excited, too. I'm totally excited. I don't know about everyone else, but I am. <laughs> I, I think it's great. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I think you guys did a great job. I think the trick was entertainment, and I think that was the secret. I think that's what made it great. You're walking through this beautiful environment, and it, it just makes you laugh. It just makes you happy. You're like, I'm exploring. I'm having a good time. Here's this big creature. and It was just fun to play, and I think that's your ticket right there is making it entertaining. If it can't be exciting, it's got to be entertaining. Well, I'm glad you were entertained. That's very good to hear. I think there was a lot of attention to detail put into the Romulus, all the way from the kind of Aurora Borealis-looking kind of sky file to all the little ambient, uh, the fauna, just running around. Have you played the little Epo breeding game? Have you seen that? Which one's that? Epo? The little, the little, we call them the little Romulan squirrels. Oh, yes, yes, Epos. yeah, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> have to gather them up, kind of chase them around and gather them up. Yeah, that was... Yeah, they're funny-looking little things. It's funny because when you get there, you're like, is it going to attack me? And, you know, like, you don't know what to expect because there's so many missions where you scan something and all of a sudden you're being attacked. So you, you see these little fuzzy things. You're like, oh, those are kind of cute. And then you almost hesitate. You're like, wait, if I scan this, is it going to jump? You know, do I need my rifle up? Is it going to jump me? <laughs> you know, it's just great. Um, no, but, you know, as you collect those, you'll unlock a number of assignments there to breed them. And you can oh, get okay. rarer. Oh, see the breeding part of it. Yeah, you can bring them to the scientists and you and read them different colors and you get different pets. Oh, cool. That so. is cool. I'm going to have to go back and play with that. Now, are they going to be like tribbles where they give you some type of health benefit or anything like that? Or is it just purely no, a pet? No, they're just, they're, just, they're just cosmetic pets. Okay. So. Well, you know, I have to apologize. There's one feature that I really wanted to play. And I've talked about it endlessly in the last couple of weeks since we left Cryptic. But I have to apologize. I actually haven't had the chance to play the Salt Vampire mission yet. Um, I right, will. Apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you about it and give you a little bit of back history from it. Cause there's been some confusion as to why it needs to be a genetically modified salt vampire. You know, Romans must have salt in their body. There's copper base, not that they don't have salt in their body. Well, that's just purely an IP thing that Spock threw out in the Man Trap episode that salt vampire found his blood distasteful. So we wrote a little fiction about it, and players will learn more about it as they play. But it's a 20-man fleet action. And you start off on the ground, you know, you get some backstory about what's going on. You gotta get all the Romulans. You go back to the uh, mine planet from the Romulan featured episode. And you gotta get them all inside. You gotta go tell assistants, hey, get inside. You're about to get attacked. And you gotta go around and, and warn people to get inside their buildings. And every so often you tell someone, one of them will actually be a salt vampire and will, will transform. You remember, because the salt vampires aren't shapeshifters, they're illusionists, right? They mess with your mind. If you remember from Mantrap, the M13 creature, she appeared differently to Bones and to everyone else, right? right. So Bones would look at her and she looked like a young woman, and then Captain Kirk would look at her and look like an older woman. So everybody sees them differently. So they're illusionists, they're not shapeshifters. So if you go and you talk to someone, all of a sudden one will change into a salt vampire. They'll have this mesmerized type attack like she did to uh, Captain Kirk at the end of the episode, you know, so kind of like mesmerize you and walk up to you and before she'll start sucking your salt out of your body. You can use a hypo spray if you're being mesmerized by a salt vampire and it'll break you free from that. Oh. So you, don't have to stay, you don't have to stay held in that. So once you get all those people and the more people you save, the, you basically you're trying to get people into, you have a certain amount of time to get everyone into the buildings and that gives basically the building a number of points if you're trying to save as many people as possible. So every stage, how many people you save is going to base on how many the size of your own mark reward. So if you don't get everybody into the buildings, salt vampires will come up and eat who you didn't save. They'll pop out of the ground and then eat them. So once you get them in there, the next thing I do is you got to fortify the buildings. And so you got to go around to these platforms and pull up these fording fortifications and fortify the buildings. You have a certain amount of time to fortify all the buildings. It's a pretty easy phase. And so that basically gives more fortification to the buildings because what's going to happen next is you'll have the herd of vampires will come out and start attacking all the buildings. And they're really not attacking you, though they will fight you. They're really after the citizens. And so it is trying to protect them. If they get to the buildings, they'll start tearing at the buildings and ripping off your fortifications. And basically, you'll start losing people inside the building. So it's just basically protect them from the herd. After that phase, you've got to get them to the evac site. 
All the while, this is a 20-man instance, but there's four quadrants. You'll need to break up your team into four groups of five, and then you've got to escort the Romulan citizens to the shuttle evac site. And along the way, you're going to get attacked. And one of the trickiest part of this stage, although it happens in all the stages, is that the assault vampires can confuse you. And when they confuse, they also put an illusion on the citizens and on players to look like salt vampires. So all of a sudden you'll get confused and you'll see, oh, there's a salt vampire, you shoot him and you kill a citizen. So you got to keep your eyes open. If you get turned into a salt vampire, I usually just jump up and down and say, it's me, don't shoot me, don't shoot me. I'm just like, so that way other players don't shoot me. Once you get them to the evac site, then you've got to hold off there while you're getting attacked by a horde, while the shuttles are coming down one at a time, and you can only load a certain number of people into the shuttle at a time. Once you've evacuated, then it's over. If you didn't save a lot of people, if you want, if you have time to run over to another evac site and help out another group who may have more citizens that they need to evac out. So the more you get out, the more points you get, the more ROM marks you'll get. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty intense one. It's not a hard one insofar that you're going to die a lot. It's not about that. It's about protecting the civilians and not killing the civilians when the illusions start kicking in. So that's really the game. So it's very different gameplay. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, thanks for joining us, as always. It's a pleasure. It's always fun speaking with you, Al. So. Yeah, sure. It's always fun to come on. always happy to answer the questions. And forward to being back soon. Thanks, Al. Thanks for stopping by. Sure. Thank you, James. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? All right, we got some awesome feedback on episode 102, our last episode. We got some from Stoforum, one from Roach. Hello, Roach. Roach! There it is. That's like con for me. (laughs) Yeah, it totally is. (laughs) He says, awesome, I can listen at home with a beer and a smoke. That makes me want to be a smooth DJ so that you can have a night like that. Like, bust out my best Barry Wyatt voice and be like, Hey, baby, you're listening to Priority One. We're rolling the hits tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Our text book comes from the PriorityOnePodcast.com from Ersk. He says, great episode, guys. I loved hearing about the coverage on the Star Trek London. Thank you, Alex, for doing that, by the way. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And Deck, thanks for covering that. Also being with him out there, Deck. Also, about the new Romulus. Really, really cool. I really love the immersion and exploration because it really ties into that aspect of Explore Strange New Worlds that truly makes it Trek. I have to agree. I spent the other night playing around on New Romulus and running all the missions that are scattered about, and I love how big the map is. I love the rivers, oh, yeah. the bridges, the creatures, the I mean, everything. It's, it's very immersive. All right, moving on to Twitter. Thanks to everybody who retweeted. We love you. We love you a lot. Our latest followers are at Cheese of Borg, Flying Apple 72, Green Girl Movie. Check her out because that's actually the Green Girl from the original series, aka the Orion. <laughs> We've got at Wazmeister and DJ Emen, or Y M E N E, Mater Razor, and Ben Luna. I hope I said all of your names properly. It is indeed internet lingo, so it takes a little bit of work to try to get them right. But thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We also got an email from Sean Newboy who says, So I take it Alex has happy over his Mulgrew autograph. Was he? Yeah, totally. Sean Newboy goes on to say, I love the suede jacket that Scotty wore. I would love to make a wonderful costume. I'm gathering that Mm. Star Trek London experience was a total fanboy squee fest, which, yeah, it had to be. Congrats on the engagement. I can't wait for the new season and the new reputation system. Yay, Triple Test Weekend. Welcome, Admiral RC. Nice to meet you. And downloads now. There goes my last bit of free time. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No doubt. Really great episode, everybody. Thank you, Sean Newboy. As always, it's a pleasure to have you listening to this show and being one of our regular back and contributions to the show. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you, everybody, for your Woo-hoo. feedback. We love hearing from you all. And any type of message you got, good, bad, funny, weird, you know, it's all good. So send us whatever you'd like to. Um, mystery packages welcome as well. Incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com is the email. Hit it up. Rock it, baby. Well, that wraps up episode 103, broadcasting live from trekradio.net. Remember that we are on air every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. We've been getting some amazing feedback, and we play much better to a live audience. So you'll have fun. Don't forget, guys, this weekend is the Triple Test Weekend. So all those cool features we were talking about, New Romulus, Reputation System, get on Triple and test them, guys. Play with it. 
tell Cryptic what you like and don't like so that they have a chance to fix it before it goes live and not during when, you know, you're going to break it. So check it out for sure. Get on there and you play with it. So head on over to uh, <laughs> facebook.com slash priority one podcast or check us out on Twitter via at Stow Priority One. That's at Stow Priority One for showtimes and other cool stuff. So we're looking for your suggestions and ideas for Blank of the Week field notes and general show improvements and additions. So you can submit any ideas or questions you might have in an online form at the Priority One website via the email to incomingpriorityonepodcast.com. You can also reach us on Facebook, as Adrian said, or on Twitter. To have your foundry missions featured on the show, send in the name of your mission, a brief description, and your at handle to incomingpriorityonepodcast.com or use our online submission form at the website priorityonepodcast.com. We have shifted our foundry reviews to a video format and you can find those over at youtube.com slash priority one and we try and get the author to play through the mission with us when we do that if we can get them if they're available so our first video playthrough is already up over there on our youtube site so uh check it out head on over to priorityonepodcast.com and click the donate button or if you're an amazon shopper take a look at our amazon affiliate store on the sidebar of the website and support the show while you shop help us make you happy there's some really cool products too we got up there. So, you know, as you start thinking of the holiday gifts and things, keep checking our website because uh, anything that you purchase through our Amazon affiliate store will absolutely make the person you're giving the gift to happy as well as throw a little coinage our way. It's minor, but everything adds up and it helps us greatly. And we will be adding more to our store. So, um, you know, keep checking back. We'll give you any updates we can. Thank you to everyone who's donated via the button or by shopping through our Amazon affiliate store because we really appreciate your support and we couldn't do it without it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Big thanks. We'd like to thank Cryptic developer Aura Vera, the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our executive producer, Mr. Elliot Tan, our production assistant and art director, Alex Calderwood. Our audio engineer and host, Adrienne Grady. The composer of our theme music, Mr. Chris Watts. Special thanks to our sponsors, Sayulita.com. Our syndication partners, uh, Subspace Radio, Trek Radio, and the Trek Radio Live crew. Thank you, David, as always, for an awesome show. And, of course, the Stowe community. Without you guys, none of this would be worth squat. But thanks for listening. We appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. David, this might take about uh, a minute. Do you have a short song you you can put on? Like Girl from Infinipa. <laughs> yeah. There you go. They could do the music for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we maybe. Do, it. Yeah. do the Humpty Dance is your chance. Do the hump. Come on. Damn, <laughs> baby. You know what we're doing? We're doing the Humpty Hump. Come on. I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. Bathroom. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, well, we, we've, uh, we're sorry and you're welcome, but we're going to go to a quick music break. We'll be right back. <laughs> like that. We're sorry and you're welcome. We got good people. Where, where are you looking? What'd you say? Everywhere. I see ah. all. My spy satellites are everywhere. Have you warriors of the Empire ever wanted... Oh, have you warriors? Mysterious deaths are being reported at the Romulan mining colony in the... Oh boy, here's my eyes are crossing. Hif... Hifihar? Fihar? Is it is the first H silent? Ha or Fihar? Energy burns or open wounds. Strange marks have been found on some of the corpses. You're heavy breathing into your mic, James. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. The, the way you say Hifar just drives me crazy. Any vice admiral or lieutenant general can participate in this crotch. Cro not crotch. 
Along with earning fleet marks, players will also be rewarded with Romulan marks. So you'll start to show uh, ridges on your nose. That No, that's not what they mean by Romulan marks. <laughs> so happy. So happy. So happy. Well, you know, Elliot happy. told me to ad-lib, so I think we're ad-libbing. <laughs> so happy. Ooh, my man doesn't just bring home the bacon, he brings home Twizzlers! Well, thank you for having me on the show, James. I like <laughs> being on Priority One as Al Rivera. I gotta say, you guys rock! And, uh, keep trekking! <laughs> yeah! I can't wait to hear what he has to say about you being him. <laughs> That's gonna <laughs> be awesome. He'll never know! He'll never know! Do it! Sonora, shake your body line! Okay! I believe you. And sprinkler, and sprinkler, or whatever that arm move is called. Do the Q-tip, do the Q-tip, do the lawnmower, do the lawnmower, do the chainsaw, oh. do the chainsaw. I know all yeah, the white guy moves. I got you covered. So. I'm not just white, okay? I'm like paper white, <laughs> like cloud white. I'm like albino. There's so <laughs> tear your head off, man. Exactly. <laughs> Bring forth the holy hand grenade. <laughs> <laughs>